Welcome to the PPC Show. I am Paul Wicker. And I'm J.D. Prater. And today is May 8th, 2020, and these are your top headlines in marketing. And sorry, uh, there's no Joe Martinez this week. If you did join us last week, uh, Joe was on. We had a lot of fun. Hope to do that again. Uh, but today you just get me, me and J.D. Oh, oh it's so sad. Suffers I know. Through. I know. We, we, we missed Joe. Uh, hopefully he'll come back and join us soon. Um. So getting ready for Mother's Day. So today is Friday, May 8th, and Mother's Day is a mere two days away. So hopefully, J.D., you got your, your well, you have a wife with a child. I don't. So you, you don't just have to think of your mother. You also also have to think of your wife. So are you all set for, for this? Uh, yeah, ish, right? I mean, and it was supposed to arrive yesterday. You know, like I was doing like really well. It was like... You know, trying to get it in early, knowing that it's probably going to be delayed. It's going to, you know, and so it says today. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed today, uh, you know, obviously tomorrow at the very latest. But I'm hoping that for my wife, it's taken care of for my mom. Uh, not so much. Just kind of a happy Mother's Day text message um, <laughs> is what she will get. Right. Um, well, thanks to Kristen, my mom, the card is already in the mail, but uh, actually, one of the articles we have today from uh, Marketing Charts, back, remember we used to do like a little special Marketing Chart of the Week or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I'm still um, a fan of these. You found this one that uh, Mother's Day spending is supposed to be $27 billion this year. Um, it's a 7% increase over last year's $25 billion, and a full 86% of U.S. adults plan to celebrate Mother's Day. It's a new record high. And uh, And the part that really blew my mind was that celebrants, people celebrating, estimate they will spend an average of $204, which is up $8. Um, I don't don't know what gift you bought. So when I read this, I wasn't thinking about spouses and other people who are mothers. I was thinking of like my mom. And you know, sometimes I buy flowers, but certainly not $200. I mean, per, right? Per, you know, so if you've got, you know, a wife and kid, right? Like, I mean, geez, I mean, (laughs) right. That's 200. You got your, you know, your own mom, another 200, right? You're at $400 just like that. I, I find this hard to believe. I find it difficult to believe that mother's day is a $27 billion, uh, industry, if you will, for a one day a year. It's especially, I mean, I know this is coming from the national retail federation, but man, like this, did they like, did they like, alter and think about what has happened in the last eight weeks you know well that's the thing because they did have further down they say special outings such as dinner or brunch uh are going to generate 4.1 billion in revenue which is down from 4.6 billion because of coronavirus and i was like how who's going to dinner there's 4.1 billion dollars being generated like nobody i know has been to dinner in like two months so i do think this might be the retail folks trying to Trying to make themselves sound like it's a big industry. Well, they say in jewelry is five point three billion, electronics two point nine billion, flowers, flower industry two point nine billion. It's three billion dollars for flowers for one day. One That's day. Crazy. crazy. Well, I remember doing wow. the same song and dance around Valentine's Day, and then when I actually added up how much money I spent, it was pretty spot on. So maybe it's just uh, we're cheap uh, with our moms. <laughs> <laughs> and most people are spending a lot more than us. Take you know, we're carrying the average down. So, well, good job getting 
everything's set up. I hope it gets delivered tomorrow because you know that excuse does not work in this in this day and age. It's check. on its way. You know, it's check. Amazon's late. That's check. Uh, check right now. Checks in the mail. <laughs> Checking. <laughs> so I really hope. I really hope it comes in. Uh, one other point I'll make while you're checking to see the status of your package. Last week, we didn't talk about the big change by Facebook. Uh, so they changed the rule oh, no. for Facebook campaign optimization. Um, so Facebook is really pushing to say you have to use Facebook campaign budgets uh, and trying to get you out of Facebook ad set budgets. And there was like a cutoff day where you had to uh, move. And then they just said, oh, you know what? All that stuff we said about moving to campaign and not using ad set budgets, never mind. And they walk back that decision. So we didn't talk about it, and there was quite a bit of news. So I thought I would just throw that in. Judging from your face, it's not getting delivered tomorrow. They just updated again to Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because they, you know, they got me with like, you know, you need to order today. Today's the last day. If you order now, you'll be here in time. Yep. And I was like, yep. oh, shit, I should just order this right now. So I just ordered it. Not going to get here in time. All right. Well, you got some time to write some poems or something like that. Uh, <laughs> put a crayon in Jude's hand and just yeah, kind of right. let him yeah. scribble something. Flowers. Uh, <laughs> right. Get some flowers. Well, there's um, somebody that I work with was saying that he just has to get the kids organized to, you know, make some arts and crafts. That's like the All right. production I'll work line. on that. Um, and then one other story. Oh, you guys had some April insights you wanted to talk about. Yeah, man. We just released them earlier this week. Uh, we looked at kind of like what was trending and happening on Quora for the month of April. And no real surprise. It was all about finance. Finance, finance, finance. I mean, it was a huge month uh, whenever I was going back through and looking at this. But I mean, you got the stock market all over the place. You've got oil dropping below zero dollars. And that's just confusing. We had tax refunds. We've got uh, also that like, um, you know, our dividend kind of coming back from the government at $1,200, right? Um, that's out there. So there was definitely a lot, a lot of financial, you know, uncertainty news hitting you, but you also throw in, I think we're at over 30 million people filing for unemployment. So, uh, a lot of people coming to Cora asking questions, looking for answers. You know, we saw a lot around investing, you know, up 200% uh, month over month, people coming through. Makes Tax sense. refunds up 480%. I mean, again, no real surprise there. But then uh, there were also some big brand winners. MasterCard was up 200%. MasterCard. And Visa was up 90, uh, wait, no, 52%. So, yeah, pretty weird stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. A lot of people concerned about their pocketbooks, uh, whether it's investing, if they have the money to, or getting a credit card so they could pay for things they might not be able to pay for that they used to. Um, I was on Quora. Uh, actually, I was trying to edit our last podcast, and it was very tricky because our friend Joe did some funny things to his audio file that I won't get into, but I found the answer to one of my questions on Quora. Someone taught me how to turn a, a mono into stereo, a monophile, audiophile, into stereophile using this funny hack with iTunes and GarageBand. So thanks, Cora. Nice. Did you give that guy an upvote? Sure didn't. I, <laughs> I think I still have it open. So you know yeah. what? I'm going to do that. Give him an upvote. Give him a, you know, add a little comment. You know, hey. Yeah. Get some a, engagement on that Get some post. engagement on I that should, post. Yeah. Actually, I will. I still have it open. Um, okay. So what's the next article we have? The Oh, so what's going on with big brands? 
and spending. So apparently Visa MasterCard are doing well. And there's a few other, it's kind of like haves and have-nots. There's some brands that are doing really well, other brands that are not. Uh, some examples of the ones that are not are folks in the automobile industry. So apparently there's an alliance between Mitsubishi, Nissan, and Renault. And am I, am I just butchering Renault? It is Renault, right? You say the T? Or Renault? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're French. Um, but uh, either way, they're all not doing well. Mitsubishi's revenue is down 19% for the whole quarter. And if you remember last week, or maybe two weeks ago, a lot of people's quarterly numbers aren't that bad because it started in March. So they might have been having really good Jan Febs. So Mitsubishi down 19% for the quarter. Um Oh, it's not Mitsubishi. Actually, I think it's Nissan that's down 19% for the quarter. Uh, Mitsubishi is down 43%, but just in March. Um, so they're they're feeling it. Volkswagen also uh, reported they're down 8.3%. So they're not doing well in terms of um, sales. And there's one other one that uh, I think, oh, L'Oreal Cosmetics. So parts of cosmetics are doing well as people buy cosmetics at home, apparently Skincare products are doing really well right now. I don't know if people are stressed and breaking out or something, <laughs> but um, but a lot of their brands are not are not doing well. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. You know, we talked about this last week, like how we hit rock bottom. You know, and we were kind of just thinking about what brands are still on, which ones aren't. And so this one was really taking when you look at big brands, right? I mean, these are the big ones. These are the probably account for 50% of ad spend, right? When you look at like the Procter and Gamble's, the Unilever's, right? And I mean, Procter and Gamble has an increasing spend. Unilever is maintaining, but they're looking for those media bargains, which I'm sure they got, you know, looking at the end of March and to April. Uh, L'Oreal cutting back. You talked about the cars. Amazon is just like all systems go. Let's do this. Right. Coca-Cola, was slashing spend, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. They said in their earnings report that sales volumes for the month of April had slumped 25%. Yeah, apparently they make a lot of money at events. So that's when mm. people spend a lot of money on soda. It's Restaurants. When they go places. Yeah. And if you go to a concert or a sporting event, if you're not drinking, you're pretty much drinking a, a Coke or Pepsi product. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, I think uh, for Pro- what was interesting too is you mentioned Procter and Gamble and Unilever. Procter and Gamble was actually up seven percent in terms of sales, which is their best sales growth in decades. They said, while Unilever was actually down. Um, so that well, I should say flat. They expected two percent growth. They came in flat. So there's some people saying, well, why did P and G do well and Unilever didn't? Some people are saying, well, products like Tide and other things around cleaning really did well and Unilever has that but they're more famous for like Dove Axe body spray I guess no one's going out to cover themselves with gross Axe body spray um, and they do food Unilever has like ice cream and and they're in uh, apparently emerging markets and the emerging markets they don't have any money to stockpile so P- P&G obviously is much stronger in the US so yeah, so yeah I kind of got into that piece uh, quick side note I watched this documentary, I guess, called The Story of Stuff. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Yeah. Watch it if you haven't. So if you're listening, go just Google Story of Stuff. It's like a YouTube video. It's about the uh, supply chain for plastic. And all the shit we just talked about comes in plastic bottles or plastic whatever. And then you realize how much plastic we generate. And then like JD, if you become a surfer and you spend more time in the ocean, you start seeing it floating around. It like gets real angry. So if you want to get angry and maybe use less plastic, go Google Story of Stuff. Um, that's that's all I could think about when I was reading about Unilever. 
Uh, uh, with this one, uh, I also wanted to throw out too. I, I learned in this article that Comcast, uh, their overall advertising and promotional costs rose 2.6 percent to their quarter 1.94 billion. That's how much they spend in a quarter. Almost two billion in advertising. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I you know, I you hear these numbers and you just like. Oh, so my little ad budget is just tiny. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. <laughs> and by the way, I should mention that article is from, I think it's DigiDay. Yeah, so it's a great DigiDay article. Which leads me to the next article about, okay, are we over COVID? Not just the disease, but all the stories and emails and messages and the fact that in every podcast we talk about it. Uh, well, consumers think so. And in a survey of 7,000 consumers, in seven countries, 41% are now ready to hear from brands about topics unrelated to the pandemic. You just got to love um, how quickly we get tired of things now. Our media cycle moves so fast, right? Um, I mean, I remember, I mean, Paul, you probably remember this too. Um, even in like uh, the, the, the Gulf Wars, it would just be on every night and they just have like a, a day counter, right? You're day 100, you know, or whatever it is. And right. I just remember like, you know, in the background watching that or even like, you know, 9-11 stuff, you know, like this, this went on for a while. And now we have this global pandemic, pretty big deal. A lot of people have got it. A lot of people are dying. Not a lot of whole leadership being shown. And we're already tired of it. Like I'm done. I'm over it. <laughs> right. People are go out and about, you know. Just like, I don't need lockdown anymore. Yeah. I'm bored. And it's, it's become super political. So I'm sure people listening, there's a group saying like, well, ah, it's overblown. And there's a peep, other group of people saying like, ah, stay home. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, people with ads are tired of it too. You know, uh, right. I think a lot of people are trying to pivot their ads to, uh, you know, talk about some of this stuff. I, I got a really bad one the other day. You want to hear it? Like their headline? Sure. Our vaccine is cooperation. And I was like, no, no, you right. can't, no, no. I'm That's, sorry, man. You can't, you can't, you can't use that. You can't use vaccine right now. <laughs> right. It's like, it's you almost missed. as good as hopes and prayers, like oh, our solution. Man. I hope it's this finds you well. Before this all went down, the guy who uh, did the Ebola pandemic, who's like pretty active on Twitter, the guy who did it, the guy who like managed it for the Obama administration and managed the world of response and the global coordination to tackle the Ebola outbreak in Africa. He's also been very vocal about like what he thinks the U.S. can be doing. And and I follow him. Um, but it's funny, before all this started, he's like, look, here's what's going to happen. Either we don't contain it. People are going to be dying and panic and, it, you know, it's going to be terrible. And everybody's going to be saying, man, we really screwed up. What's wrong? Or we're going to contain it. People aren't going to be dying. People aren't going to be packing the hospitals. Like, and we'll be winning, and everybody's going to say, oh, this was totally overblown. We spent too much money. So it's really, he said, just get used to it. It's going to be a lose-lose because either it's going to be death and confusion and horror or it's going to be a feeling like you've wasted time. You've, it's like um, fire insurance on your house, right? If You don't want the house to burn down, so you're like, ah, oh, I used my fire insurance. Yes, you want to spend a lot of money preparing and preventing the fire. And then if your house isn't on fire, you don't go like, oh, okay, I'm going to start, you know, burning candles and plants and get rid of all my fire extinguishers because my house hasn't burned down yet. So <laughs> that's my uh, analogy journey I'll take you on today. Got it. From the ad side, though, 
apparently the message worked while people were still receptive to it. Amazon, their messages had a 90% lift. They're kind of COVID themed messages compared to normal ads. Your window's probably closing. If you're still running COVID ads, it might be a good time to take them down. According to this article, people are starting to seek ads that are more entertainment-based, opportunities to disconnect from the COVID news cycle, not hear about it as much. But I do want to point out what people say they want and what and what they click on are very different. So when, when people say, oh, yeah, we're over these messages, great. But that doesn't mean they're not going to click on them. I mean, who says they want to click on, you know, some horrible fake news clickbait thing? And yet that's what they click on. So. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is uh, the context right uh you know if i'm watching you know if i'm it depends on like where i am right if you're in tiktok like probably not the best place to give me something covid you know related right or something like kind of a strong heavy message when you're you know when you're seeking to kind of escape and have fun right don't hit me with something like that but so kind of understanding i think the context is also key good point well what if you're on the new facebook is that a oh, good place wow nice nice pages, groups, and ads. So I don't have it yet, though. I checked. I you did. I was wondering if you had it. Nope. Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. I know. I haven't opened Facebook. Actually, I have opened Facebook in a while, not to use it as a consumer, but, um, you know, ad stage acquisition of tap clicks. I've been doing some of the social media management on the side, um, you know, in the past few months. I haven't done it now that we've got acquired but man, managing a page is terrible in Facebook. The <laughs> inbox to manage yeah. like messages and comments, like it loads so slowly. The, it's so not intuitive. Half the time you get a notification saying like, oh, someone wrote on your page and you can't like find it. You like click on the notification. Next thing you know, you're like in an inbox and it's not there. And then you have to go change a few drop downs to do like unread. And it really is like a total piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i really feel uh and dark mode always a winner people love right. dark mode do uh, they do they yes love dark mode? people say it, it all like... the time i I'm, I'm always i'm always you know we, we have it in beta right now uh for cora and so Whoa. people people big love scoop. it big scoop big dark scoop there it is cora. dark mode oh my um, gosh but Freak do they out. love it? Can you convince your product manager to share the actual usage numbers of dark mode after you have it out hmm. for a few months? Yeah. Because let me, let me see what I can find. It feels to me like one of, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, you needed an app. You need an app on, on Apple, especially like you need an iOS app. And it'd be like, well, why is it, you know, people don't even have iPhones and nobody wants to use our thing on their phone, especially 10 years ago. You just need one. And then everybody built one and then no one used it. And it was like, okay, well, we just wasted a million dollars. So is dark mode the new app that you don't need? I, I'm confused. I don't know. I mean, people, you know, I think as more people read their phones in bed, I, I get it. Um, but do you turn on dark mode when you read your phone in bed? Uh, I have like a setting. It just everything on my phone goes dark mode after like a certain time. Right. And so if the app has dark mode, it just does it. Okay, so you are, oh, all right. So maybe because Apple's like embedded it with their kind of. It must of, be like an Apple thing. Yeah, I, I know. Well, I think Pixel has it too. I just don't use it. 
So, okay, well, I'll use the new Facebook for page management and let you know if it's any better. But definitely th this thing needed needed a refactor, and it's about time. So looking forward to using that. Well, yeah, before we keep going, let's take a quick advertising break. And we're back from break, and um, Pinterest did something interesting with Shopify. So for a long time, you could, as both a Pinterest uh, advertiser, I guess, and a Shopify merchant, you could create ads on Pinterest, but now there's a new integration that makes it much easier for Shopify users to not just advertise, but get all your product listings kind of automatically sent over to Pinterest. And that gets you access to Pinterest's 367 MAUs. So this is a, this is great. I think it's a great move for both Pinterest and Shopify, who are two like rock solid e-commerce companies. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it as huge for like Pinterest more than anything else. I mean, imagine being the world's catalog, right? If if everyone had their product catalog uploaded into your service, just like they do for Google, they're going to come to you for shopping, you know. And I think this is a really smart move for them to like really take on the Googles and the Facebooks, again, using their own algorithm, their own personalization to get the right products in front of the right people at the right time. And then just making this just like a few button clicks for your Shopify uh, experience. That's a, that's a no brainer. Like that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I think Shopify with Pinterest and also Etsy as two kind of alternative shopping models to Amazon are really compelling and we'll see you know if you want to kind of shop local uh, and depending how crafty you want to be you, you know uh, both those companies you know pinterest and and etsy i think are great solutions it'll be interesting to see if they can disrupt amazon because amazon's like core shopping product is not very good like the shopping experience isn't great like the quality of the product is like pretty bad yeah. the reviews are usually like spammy and and hard to get anything good out of them so like actually the amazon shopping experience is not very good just free shipping for prime and you have whatever I want. So like those, that's what you go to Amazon for. But, uh, I think there's a huge gap since like buying on Amazon can be a pretty frustrating experience. If you want anything, that's like remotely of decent quality because <laughs> there's like 42 forgeries of everything. It's like, is this the real one or is this somebody who's copying it in China and then shipping it as if it's real? Yeah. I, I mean, it's a little bit different too. I mean, like Pinterest being more of a digital shopping mall, right? Where you're just kind of browsing, you know, like that's where I'd want to go to browse, discover things, pop into a store, leave, not buy anything. But Amazon, I pretty much know exactly what I'm looking for. I'm right. just looking for the best price and who can get it to me the quickest. So I consider Amazon way lower in the funnel than, than Pinterest. Right. It's like going to Walmart versus going to the mall. You're like, I got to buy these 10 things. I'm gonna <laughs> I know they're going to have it. I know right. it's gonna, probably going to be pretty cheap. And I know I can get in and out, you know, fairly quick. Right. Quality is, you know, you know, if I buy a electronic from Walmart, eh, maybe it'd be good, maybe it'd be crap. But right. um, going back to that story of stuff, though, I am thinking about like, can I just avoid buying crap that breaks and just try to spend more <laughs> money for things? So I really will spend like three, four X if I can get something I think is like well built that'll last that won't break, especially oh, if it's like like a kitchen appliance or like an electronic or a charger. Like I bought so many cheap chargers that like burn out and break after like a year and I just keep throwing out chargers. I was like, I'm just going to buy the branded Google Pixel charger and they last 
Yeah, you know, because every time I try to buy one on Amazon, it's like some company looks legit, and then you know, I read the instructions. I'm like, oh no, this is not legit. It's like all broken English. But <laughs> um, speaking of not legit, let's talk about programmatic. Oh man, <laughs> this one is so interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I like. I'm not a huge programmatic guy. I, I don't know a lot about programmatic. There are other people right that are way smarter than me on this. But what I find interesting is that when they did this study, 15% disappears in the supply chain. They, 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 they cannot account for it. it. They don't know where it goes. <laughs> like, like, what, didn't what? this happen in what? the U.S. government with, like, federal spending or something? There was some headline, like, you know, on defense spending or something. There's just, like, some trillion dollars that nobody can find. Yeah, this is an article from Marketing Dive. And this is a great look at programmatic. And I think the reason it was so well done is because it was funded by the big brands who are trying to figure out, Mm -hmm. you know, are we buying actual inventory? Where's our money going? And if you've played in the programmatic space at all, you know, it's, there's like a million players. Everybody's got this quote unquote great inventory. And if you try to ask like, well, where, like, what do you have? Like, give me domains or give me properties that you own or that you have exclusive rights to, or that are at least in your network, it's like pulling teeth because half of them just buy inventory from another one, which buy inventory for another one, which might be buying inventory from the same one that already sold it to someone else. And you just have one impression being sold like 15 times before it actually reaches the advertiser. And that impression, the publisher might get, you know, I don't know, 50 cent CPMs, but then after it goes through, a bunch of optimization platforms and DSPs and all these other tools, it ends up costing the advertiser $10. It's crazy town. Yeah. It's nuts. Like uh, I was surprised, you know, 50. So they can say they're they're saying 51% uh, programmatic will go to the publisher. Okay. So they're getting half right now. They can account for 34%. Now bear with me. 7% goes uh, to the agencies. That's their cut. 8% goes to the DSP. 10% goes to the DSP, like technology fee. 8% goes to the SSP. That's the sell side platform. And then there's also a 1% technology fee added on to there. That equals 34%. They know the 51%. Where's that extra 15? Where did it go, Paul? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, because in a simple world, there's a DSP and a SSP, you know, demand side, supply side. And if this is all a bit confusing, just think of it like... When you buy Google ads, there's like Google AdWords and Google AdSense, right? Like one generates a bunch of impressions through the network. The other one is uh, selling ads to to get those impressions. Same thing in display. And this is one of the things that happens, though, when you don't have like one display platform. So in search, you have Google. In social, you have Facebook. Uh, In display, you have hundreds of publishers, websites, and also people that get really weird traffic. So it's not always like I tend to think websites and like display ads is programmatic and a big chunk of it is. But you also have like in-app, obviously. So when you're using some free app and it's like loaded with spammy ads, like that's usually programmatic. You have like weird interstitial ads that pop up in different experiences. Um, There's one like if you dialed the wrong phone number and you're trying to call a plumber there's some services that say oh this plumber's out of business but here's five other plumbers you could call (laughs) that stuff can get pumped into programmatic networks there's those park domain pages a huge amount of traffic comes from park domains so you know when you try to type in a web address and it doesn't exist and you get like 
a bunch of links that are kind of similar and you're like, what is this? You know, that's traffic that often gets resale, resold through. So there's all these wacky ways that people are generating traffic. And obviously the quality of all the things I just mentioned are like all over the board. So I'm not surprised 15% ends up going somewhere. And that's not a small number either. I mean, programmatic is supposed to be around $127 billion this year. So 15% of that, I don't, I mean, you can do the math for me, but I mean, you're looking at almost 20 billion probably, you know, like 15 yeah. to 20 billion, just unaccounted for. Wow. So with Google and Facebook, at least, you know, all that money just goes in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get lost. You know exactly where it's going. When you want to buy some inventory yeah. on Facebook, Facebook is taking all of, all of it. And, uh, and the aver- as the advertiser, you get some value for it. Um, Two other stories we'll hit on real quick, or maybe a few more. We'll hit on real quick. Um, TikTok, I didn't actually read this one. I just read the headline. TikTok is coming after Snapchat with a new AR ad format. Um, Is there anything beyond that headline we need to know? No, just, you know, a lot of copying, you know. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. It seems like TikTok is really making a play. I feel like they're really going after Snapchat more than Instagram which I think is interesting, but you know, know, they're just going to keep it fresh. Obviously AR VR kind of stuff, as we always talk about is always trendy and in the news. And you see all these platforms, you know, building for it. It still hasn't hit like the mainstream yet, but Hey, if these are the only places where AR is working, maybe that's just all you really need. Well, and I guess this is actually just good attribution in a way because TikTok is copying Snapchat. You could say they're copying Instagram too, because Instagram copied Snapchat and it's all the same. Right. You know, these kind of like AR, um, AR lenses as Snapchat calls them or these AR effects. Um, so I guess it's, you could, it's kind of nice giving snap credit for like, Oh, they're copying snap because that's who everybody copies Poor snap. Snap is just product development for like that whole format. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok, Instagram just are, must constantly be saying, well, what is snap doing? Um, Roku. So we, never talk about Roku, no. but it does seem like there's a new ad platform every week. I mean, we talked about like Walmart or CVS having ad networks. We talked about somebody else. I don't, it's a new one every week. This week it's Roku. They have a platform uh, called OneView, the Roku OneView ad platform that lets advertisers uh, advertise uh, streaming, basically streaming video. So as people do less and less cable and people start streaming more and more roku's looking to take advantage by having their own uh, ad network yeah i mean i have roku uh i'm a fan of roku uh i have no i mean good for them i mean it's just it's just more money in their pockets right that they've got i think i saw some i don't think it's in this article but they've got like 25 million uh subscribers somewhere in there i mean they're over like a pretty good chunk of subscribers and that's that's impressive. So how do you, you know, take advantage of all those eyeballs that you're getting outside of those kind of kickbacks that you're getting? Or I'm not exactly sure how those those deals work, right? Uh, maybe you do, Paul, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't um, know, yeah. But it's it's almost like programmatic in some ways that you know you have a lot of places where people are watching, and then you have a lot of people who want that demand, and now all these different networks trying to pop up and say, hey. We'll get you eyeballs, and in some cases, you own the inventory. In some cases, it's very gray. 
Just like I think it was in uh, CVS. Was it CVS that we talked yeah, about? CVS, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we have CVS.com. And then we also get some display inventory from places like Google and Facebook. So it's, oh, you know, if you're ever buying display from anyone, it's always like, do you own? How much of your inventory is O&O, owned and operated? Hmm. And do you have exclusive rights to that inventory? If they do, you actually have something special. If not, it's like, okay, any one of the 500 DSPs can probably get you the same impression. And video's not far behind it, you know? And it's the same ecosystem where, okay, now I want to run an ad, and there's like 30 streaming services, and they're all going to fight over who has access to what. In fact, when Roku bought Data... I don't know how to say Datatsu, maybe? Yeah. It's Data XU. Um, they bought them last October for 150 million bucks, which was part when the, that company rebranded as OneView and is part of now Roku's platform. Um, Amazon then cut off access to the Fire TV kind of inventory. So, just like programmatic, oh, you want to buy some some eyeballs? Well, turned out you weren't you were getting Amazon eyeballs through whatever that company name was, and now you can't. And so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and then something I, I thought that was neat, on, and this mostly because I had a friend of mine that wanted to launch this product, and he came to me like years ago. I was like, I have this idea. When you go for an interview, you know, it's so like nerve-wracking. What if you did a video interview and you recorded the answers and sent it ahead, and then like, you know, the hiring managers can just watch like 10 videos, and then it's like speed dating with a video, and then you can just actually bring on site the people you really like because so much of the stuff is like kind of BS and like, you know, these intro questions, you can just crank through them and pretty quickly. Well, LinkedIn did it. So LinkedIn added that feature to uh, LinkedIn jobs. So you can now do this kind of virtual job interview and kind of hit a button to record yourself and it lets you like try again or, you know, uh, preview it before you send it. So the world is changing. Yeah, I know HubSpot's been doing this for a while, not using LinkedIn. They have their own, you know, thing that they use. But uh, I know when Meg was doing some hiring uh, late last summer, she was watching a lot of videos, a lot of videos. <laughs> and so, wow. Yeah, and the, you get like one minute, right? You get one minute to answer. And like, uh, from my understanding, you can like, uh, you know, you can like not save that answer. You can like try again, you mm -hmm. know, so you can get a couple of that first time. You're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that or oops. Right. Oops, stop, stop, right. restart, you know, and then my you can chronic finally... lateness has become a problem in my career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try again. Would be great is if uh, LinkedIn just saved all your prior responses and actually just like transcribed them and sent That'd them. That'd be pretty <laughs> funny. That'd be, that would be pretty good. It's like that would be weaknesses. Creepy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not having any. Is that a weakness? Right. I work too hard. I'm just, you know, sometimes <laughs> I, I work too hard. I need to take more breaks. I just care oh. too much. Right. I'm really a perfectionist with my work. It's it's really a problem. I I need to get everything perfectly done right on time. I'm uh, I'm really good at my job. It's a weakness. Right. <laughs> like I mean, come on. I don't know. I, I it, it's a dumb question, but anyway, uh, I think it's a good thing. I think LinkedIn has done a really good job. I mean, this is where they make most of their money is through you know their recruiting services and you know that sales navigator. And then we also remember they also have advertising, right? Like they have a really good diversified portfolio of revenue. And so I think this is only going to help out, especially as I don't see remote work going down after this. I only see it going up. And this could be a really great way if your company pivots to be able to use LinkedIn, get your job posting, get those interview questions in, and then just bring the people on for more Zoom meetings <laughs> right <laughs> after that. 
Well, those are all the headlines we have for you this week. If you like today's episode and you're listening on, I don't know, Apple Music or Spotify or whatever you got, just give us a, a like or a star or a positive rating or a comment. Or if you hate it, give us a negative one. That's too. That, that's fine too. Just just say something. And uh, and you can always find more episodes in, in your podcast listening app of choice. So enjoy your week, everybody. See you later. <laughs>